Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, with another fantastic interview. I am super excited to be talking to Justin Goodbread. He is from uh, originally Brunswick, Georgia, and now lives in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, just a, a great topic, and uh, we, we've had the most fun in our little green room chat. So let me introduce Justin, and uh, we'll get going here. Justin uh, Goodbread is he's the owner of Heritage Investors and FinanciallySimple.com, which is a nationally recognized financial planner, financial educator, wealth manager, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, armed with 20 plus years of experience starting, buying, growing, and selling businesses. Justin spends most of his time helping fellow business owners across the country increase and manage the value of their businesses and personal assets so that they can live the life of their dreams now and in the future. He's an avid outdoorsman. And uh, Justin, I'm excited to talk with you. Thanks for coming on the program. Brother, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this, Jim. Yeah. So um, I'm, always, I'm always curious, you know, um, for my guests, if they're first-generation entrepreneurs or did you have uh, parents or grandparents that kind of showed you there's something besides an education and then a bi-weekly paycheck. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. You're going to love this story. So I was 15 years old and you and I were talking in the green room a little bit. Um, I grew up in the coast of South Georgia. In fact, you had just recently stayed down there where I grew up. Yeah. My dad, my dad worked at the Georgia Port Authority. He graduated from high school, just like most people did back in the sixties and um, when, when worked a basically construction job ultimately landed at the Georgia Port Authority. And my mother was college educated or is college educated. She went and earned a master's in nursing. Whenever I was about 15 years old, Jim, something happened. My dad did in his wisdom, as I call it, changed my life forever. In fact, it changed not only my life, but my brother's life and my sister's life. And so now we have three entrepreneurs in our family. What he did, Jim, probably I may not do exactly the same way he did to me for my kids, but he sat us down. He said, son, you're going to be 16 years old this Friday. I said, yes, sir. We were at the family table, you know, kind of like the Walton-esque type of a family dinner, right? Yeah. And he's looking at me. He says, Justin, you'll be 16 this Friday. Here's the deal. I want you to have a job by Friday or don't come home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, the table got really quiet, okay? Yeah. And, and you'd have to understand my dad is one of those yes or no, sir, a plan, a man of few words, old school, hard work. I mean, worked his finger to the bones providing for our family. And I looked at him and I said, Yes, sir. And he said, now I'm gonna give you some more rules here. You cannot work for anybody I know. You cannot work for a, a grocery store or a fast food restaurant. Went, okay. Now that doesn't seem like a big deal, except in Brunswick, Georgia at the time when I was growing up, a good bread, which is an unusual last name. He knew everybody. I mean, literally the whole town knows Alan Goodbread at the time. Now the town has since grown up, people have moved in, but in that small town, America, that was an impossible feat. So here I am coming, going out every day. My mom's driving me around with this impossible mission, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, he, he comes home from work, dirty, stinky, hard, just worn to the bone. He says, son, you got a job yet? Yesterday, I've looked everywhere. He said, you know my rules. If you don't have a job tomorrow, don't come home. 
it wasn't the point that, that you and I would take it of, I'm not going to give you housing, but you need to find a job was his ultimate message. So the next morning I get up before my dad does at four o'clock in the morning and I walk outside and I'm just sitting on the step. He comes out and he says, I'll see you this afternoon. I'm sure you'll have a job today. So he left and I, right before he left, he grabbed the push mower, Jim, and laid it out by the car. Oh my. And I was like, okay, I wonder what he's doing the push mower. I just cut the grass. Now we lived on a long road and the newest, nearest neighbor is about a half mile, mile away. And I was like, well, okay, let me just grab the push mower and let me go cut somebody's grass. Maybe he doesn't know all my neighbors. So I started walking down the road and came up to so-and-so's house. And he said, I said, Hey, do you know my dad, Alan Goodbread? Yes, sir. I do. Okay. I'm sorry. I got to find somebody that doesn't know my dad. Long, long, long story short, I ended up finding this one gentleman's name named Mr. Brown, who by the way has now been a lifelong friend, but Mr. Brown's grass was about a foot and a half high. So I walked up, knocked on the door. I said, sir, my name is Justin Goodbread. Do you know my father, Alan Goodbread? No, sir, I don't. May I cut your grass? He said, absolutely. He said, how much are you going to charge me? I said, I don't care. Pay me something. <laughs> so I spent about five hours cutting this grass with a push mower and a weed ear that I had walked almost a mile and a half to find. Came and he gave me $40. Wow. Three and a half, four hours work back in 95, 96. I come home and I take a shower. I put the mower up, replace the gas and I'm coming out of the shower right as my dad's walking in, just all tired. I mean, just, you know how the working man is. Yeah. Just stink, sweaty, just poured his life into for his family that day. And he sits, and I sit down beside him with a big old grin on my face. He said, evidently you found a job. I said, well, not necessarily, daddy, but I, I did end up making money today. It's not a job, but I cut Mr. Brown's grass. He says he doesn't know you. Come to find out they knew each other and they had arranges the whole time. Oh, my goodness. He, he said he doesn't know you, but I made $40, daddy. He goes, really? How long did it take you? Well, it took me about two and a half hours of work and maybe about an hour or so to find the job and then to clean up, maybe four hours. And he put his hands on my knee and he says, son, I want you to remember something. I want you to know something. Number one, you just made more money than me than I did today. For the whole day's work, you just made more money than me. The second thing is, is if you go to work for the man, you'll always make less money than the man. Be the person who runs the company. Learn how to run a business. I want you to be an entrepreneur. So Jim, that turned from that little conversation to the time my brother and I was eight, were 18 and 16, we were making more money, almost over $100,000 each in income, more money than my mom and dad put together. Wow. So that launched my entrepreneurial vision at that point. I mean, so I got to give you the award. I've been, this, my podcast is almost seven years old. And I've asked that question a lot. That's the best damn story I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, your dad, which I'm imagining um, really wanted you to step up. He didn't want to give you the answer. He wanted you to figure it out. And, oh, he probably was even watching you from behind the bushes, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. That is such a great story. That is – what. and your dad's still around today? He passed away unexpectedly about three years ago. Oh. Um, but good man. And he, he, his, his pride was he has three children, all of whom are still married to their first, first spouses over 20 years each of us. All of us are entrepreneurs. All of us are national successes on the national stage of our respective businesses. And it's just a guy that with a high school education that wanted something bigger for his kids. That's so he, awesome. So the, he launched this, he and my mom, and my mom was right there with us and she still is. She was the biggest trooper. In fact, she was earning a master's degree in nursing, homeschooling us. We were home educated, which allowed us to learn business. We didn't go to the traditional schools at the time. So she was home educating us, earning a master's degree in business and teaching us actually how to work. What it's like to give an honest day's work, how to bust it, how to make sure there's leaves not near the front door, little examples that I give on my podcast, but teaching us how to work and do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. 
And that led us to the point, honestly, where none of us wanted to go to college and they forced us to go to college and thankfully so. And so we ended up having our first business sale. We sold our business and that led to us now a debt-free college tuition. And now since then I've sold three businesses and I own three today. Wow. So you started um, Heritage uh, with a friend or a partner? So I started the company. I founded it in April of 2009 in the middle of the financial turmoil. Uh, in fact, if you'll remember, April 2009 is when Bernie Madoff hit the news in, the, in our country. Mm. So we started Heritage at that point, And I was dealing with some personal turmoil when with, I call it a business divorce. Anybody in business understands how painful those can be. So I started the company. And then my business partner, Jim Dattar, became a business partner about a month later. And we got through that business divorce, that lawsuit, for after about five years. And we did a hard look and we said, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to run a business? And what we had experienced in my 20 plus years at that time of being a business owner, but as a young, I would say young, probably less than 10 years experience in the financial world is I, I firmly believe Wall Street is an enemy to the business owner. I firmly believe that. I say that today and I'm in, the, I'm in the Wall Street world a lot. I believe that business owners, if we understand how to grow our business, which is our number one asset, we, we can get a return on our investment of 20, 30, 40% if we understand the basic structures of business, then we can school any Wall Street type person out there. Um, the, the idea of me taking money or having my clients take money from their business and give it hundreds of thousands of dollars over to an investor to put into a mutual fund or an ETF is ludicrous to me, knowing that the investor is probably going to average maybe eight, maybe not, maybe 10% over a 10 year period of return, maybe. Mm -hmm. Whereas we can grow our businesses and see three, four, five hundred percent returns over that period of time. So we started, we launched our company, a very unique, very different focus solely on driving net worth for business owners. And yes, we do manage money. One of the things that I, I'm afraid of is that it, there's many statistics out there, and I can give statistics out of the yin yang, but one of the statistics is, is that for business owners, 80% of our okay, that only 4% of small businesses, those with under $5 million of annual revenue, only 4% of them sell for what we believe they're worth. So what happens is, is because they're not what we believe the business is worth, or we can't find a qualified buyer. By the way, only 14% of them actually sell. Because we can't find a qualified buyer for our business, the business owner has now 80% of their wealth wrapped up in their business, and they have nothing to, to retire with. So one of the things we teach is go ahead and max out your basic retirement accounts. Make sure they're lean, make sure they're mean, make sure they're low cost. Follow just basic, very simple index investing. And then let's pour as much money into the business to make its value increase and make it sellable so that you're not in that 4% statistic of not getting what you want, or you're not in the 80 something percent statistic of, every, of never being able to sell the business. So what we teach our clients is let's grow your net worth and let's grow a business where we can actually sell it. That makes a lot of sense. What, what exactly makes a business attractive to a buyer? Because you said a lot of people just have trouble finding a buyer. Is it that they, they're too emotionally attached or they have some you know, emotional value that is not realistic or they just don't know what they're doing in general? There's six words that I could use and I'll give you the technical terms and I'm gonna break it down to one simple point. So profitability is, is a factor. Competitiveness is a factor. Scalability, how fast the business can move up or down in, in volume throughput. 
sustainability, which is the biggest. We'll come back to that. Transferability and invulnerability. So those are the six key factors whenever you're breaking down a business. By the way, there's 256 points that you can analyze a business from, from a valuation standpoint. But here's the bottom line through all those big fancy words, Jim, is this. Most small businesses, and I'm using small business being those who produce less than 500 million, I'm sorry, $5 million of, of, of revenue, okay? Most small businesses are built around the owner. The owner has everything in their head. The mm. owner is the person who makes the decisions. The owner is the person who has the contacts with the strategic referral sources. The owner is the one who develops the, the research and development. The owner is the person, man or woman. And that is the single, that's, that is the Achilles heel. That's the death star for any business. The day that you think you're going to transfer to where you have everything in your head or everything revolves around you, almost like Lee Iacocca did with Chrysler years ago. If you know the story there, as soon as he moved off the scene, Chrysler, you know, just went through hard times. If we end up having our business where it's completely revolving around the owner and the owner's knowledges or abilities, it's not transferable. Why would a buyer want to come in and pour their assets their capital into your business at whatever purchase price only to potentially have the team walk out, customers walk out, systems fail, and a litany of other things come about. So the single reason is owner reliability. Wow. That is so that's really something. So what, at what point, cause I think, you know, a lot of small business owners will, um, all let's just assume all legally, but run their business and, and, you know, to, to minimize the profits so they don't, you know, pay them so they can lower their tax burden. But at some point, if you're going to sell the business, you need to show a profitable business, right? Yes, you do. But you have to take it back further than that. Okay. So this is where I believe in, in my financially simple world, the, the, the reason that's led to the national success that we've had through our organization is because many people approach personal financial planning solely dealing with the insurances and all those budgets and all that nonsense that we all have to do. Right. And they all, and then they have approached business consulting separately. Truth be told, you can't, you can't ultimately sell the business until you're personally ready to sell it. So I'm getting to your question at hand. What we have to walk a client through is we first have to make sure their lifestyle is met. Their, their goals. I mean, you're traveling the country or you're traveling the East coast at this point on a boat. That's a, that's a goal that you guys are currently fulfilling. That would be a goal that you would have to plan some years out. And I'm sure that you did Jim. So what we are teaching the clients is you first have to identify where you're at, where you want to be. And you have to make sure that you're paying yourself the right amount of money and nothing more. If you pay yourself more, we're losing tax, tax advantages. If you're paying yourself more than cost of capital, which is how our money can return for us, ends up waning and you end up suffering net worth. So then once you know that, okay, we've reached the point in our, in our, in our personal life where our personal goals and desires are met. At that point, you have to begin shifting the business to where now the business is ready to be transferred. And as you well stated, what we often do is we minimize our profitability. We, minimi we minimize our net income to our businesses, thus to avoid as much taxes as possible. We'll roll in the profits back into the company, into another system, into a new hire, into a new widget, into a new venture, or whatever we may throw it. We have many clients who are now buying, real, or have been buying real estate, now they're selling real estate. But they've been buying real estate with those profits. And that's all okay, as long as it's helping you reach your goal. But what we're actually after is what makes a buyer buy your business and profitability is one, but it's not the biggest factor. The biggest factor to buying a business is what's called intangible assets. Okay. 
what we're referring to and what most people think is, well, it's got to be profitability. It's got to be the cash flow. And that's a factor. And it's a factor that we can manage. We can manage it through good, good accounting systems or good principles. But where you have to actually drive the value of the company up to where a buyer wants to have is through intangible assets. And there's basically four types of intangible assets. You have the human, your team, you have the customer capital, you have the structural capital. So customer capital is, is customer diversity, right? The structure is, is how the systems within the organization works. Then you have your social capital. How does the community at large view those view your business? And Jim, I gave an illustration of the book I wrote, The Ultimate Sale, um, where we actually talk about two individual clients. They were dentists. They were within a mile of each other. One, they had the exact same revenues, exact same profitability using your term. But the sales price of one practice was a million dollars. The sales price of another was $4 million. There was a 4X multiple difference. So profitability is one. It's not as big as what most small business owners think. It's the intangible assets, building those things that which make that business able to operate without you, the owner involved. So you, you did mention you have a, a book, The Ultimate Sale, a financial guide, a financially simple guide to selling a business for maximum profit. I was looking over that on Amazon. I know you tell Justin that um, business owners should plan their exit the moment they begin their business. And I know that sounds correct, but I also remember almost 19 years ago what I, my head was like when I was starting my business. And although I was hoping I'd be able to sell it as, a, as re, you know, an asset for retirement, believe me, that that was the last thing in my mind. So you, I'm sure you, you probably have to go back and cor- correct a lot of thinking, you know, when somebody comes to you for help. Yeah. And I found myself in that scenario as well, Jim, as you and I were talking, I have personally started and sold three businesses today. And I currently own three. Um, as a serial entrepreneur, and as I've now worked with hundreds, if not thousands plus individuals in business, we often find the, we also follow the American dream as I call it. We find, and I'll give you my American dream. I wanted to, I wanted to breed a purple daylily. My degree is in horticulture, believe it or not. I wanted to make a purple daylily, which is a flower that grows perennial, grows down here in the South. It's, they're beautiful flowers. There's really not a, today there may be now, but at the time there wasn't a true purple daylily. So that was my dream. So I went into horticulture, got in landscaping because of that story I just told you. And I was like, man, what's my calling? What's my passion? Using that, 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 that cliched word today. And ultimately what happened, like so many business owners, is I found myself totally abandoning my dream of growing a purple daylily to where now I was babysitting about 40 to 60 entry-level employees running around the islands of South Georgia, driving lawnmowers into swimming pools and tearing up people's yards. And it ended up being a headache. And I found myself working constantly in the business trying to solve problems, running around putting out fires. If we step back, no matter where anybody's at in that business world, whether it's in the startup or the entry level of the business or whether they are a seasoned pro like ourselves, if we step back and really ask the question, where are we going? And the going has to be, we're going to at some point in the time leave this business. It's going to happen. That is a certainty. We're going to die for sure. We are going to retire. We're going to, it's going to dissolve or we're going to sell it or we're going to give it away. We're going to leave the business. So if we realize that an inevitable event is coming, but we also understand that the event doesn't have to wait until we're 60. It doesn't have to wait until we're 80. It doesn't have to wait until we're 50, depending on where the age of, of our listener is at this point. It, you can plan that in as little as three to four years. 
You can just say, you know what, my business right now is producing a million dollars a year net revenue or EBIT or I'm producing a hundred thousand dollars a year this, at this point. If I were to take my, my, my direction and start working on my business versus in my business, I could theoretically create a business that doesn't rely on me. I don't end up having an overpaid job at that point and I end up having a true business. So you do have some corrections that we have to do with today's business owners, especially the first generation business owner. And the easiest way I can describe it in my financially simple mind is this. Those of us who are familiar with the golden arches here in the, here in the America understand McDonald's is a national icon. They're in the real estate business. We think they're in the hamburger business, but they're in the real estate business. The, the McDonald's brothers who originally started the McDonald's company, they cooked a lot of hamburgers and they probably made a really good hamburger. Now I think maybe mo most of us would argue that we can cook a better hamburger than McDonald's does today, but I'm sure those McDonald's brothers, they probably made a pretty good hamburger back then, but they made a lot of hamburgers. Ray Kroc, who now owns McDonald's, has never cooked one hamburger in his life. Mm. Ray Kroc didn't care about cooking hamburgers. He didn't care about babysitting employees driving lawnmowers into the pool. He didn't care about whatever the trade or the service that we offer most of our customers. He cared about running a business. He cared about creating a system so that 16 year olds can cook french fries without burning down, burning down the place. Okay. He created, he cared about creating systems that could be duplicated and scaled and transferred from one location to the next. And because he cared about the things which matter most in business, then he ultimately ended up now never cooking hamburgers and now is the one of the large real estate holding firms in the world. That's the story of McDonald's. What many small business owners forget is that we get tied into the American dream. We get tied into the working in our business so much that we forget, hey, look, we're going to cook hamburgers for a long time. Unless we change something drastically, we're never going to reach that success or some ionic success that Ray Kroc has achieved. Such a good story. And I, I read that McDonald's book. It's, I think it's probably 25 years old. And then, then the movie with uh, uh, Michael Keaton, it was pretty darn good story. Um, it, so early on, I got, I could talk to you for a long time. I think I got time for one more question, Justin. You said it very eloquently at the beginning. I think you said uh, profitability, competition, scalability, sustainability, transferability. And I think there was one more that I'm missing, but. Yeah, and vulnerability. Vulnerability, thank you. And so what's, What's a, some kind of a nugget you can give us for people? Because it is mostly entrepreneurs and small businesses who listen, small business owners who listen to this program. What's the, what's the what, one or two things they can do to start increasing the value of their business, whether, that, whether they're going to leave the business in five years or 25 years? I'm going to change the answer. I'm going to change the question slightly and then come back to that question. Right. What's, the one, what's the one thing that an Olympian can do to win the gold medal at the Olympics? Okay. Mm-hmm they better have a damn good coach. Yeah. Okay. Michael Phelps has a sweet coach, a coach who has maybe not necessarily won the Olympics, but he had enough respect for that coach. I could look at his, at his strokes and show him when and how he could get faster. Okay. If you are trying to drive the value of your company up, you cannot do it yourself. You have to have somebody from the outside looking in, somebody who is a fiduciary, somebody who's, who's there to challenge you, to tell you no and yes, that you respect, but not, not only do you respect, that you're willing to listen to. 
So if you're trying to if you're trying to get your business to the point to where you want to sell this thing in three, four, five, ten years, whatever the value is, or you want to increase profitability, or you want to have more net revenue, whatever the goal is, you're not going to do it by yourself. There's not a human alive in this world that's reached the point they aren't in life by themselves. They've had a teacher, they've had a parent, they've had a friend, they've had a, a TV show. Something has instilled some sort of a benefit to them. So the biggest nugget I can say, especially as entrepreneurs, we get lonely. We get tired. We get so drained working 90 hours a week for ourselves so we don't have to work 40 hours for the man. We just need somebody across the table from us who can look at us and say, I got you. And if you can find that person, whether it's a business coach, whether it's a, an advisor, somebody who is not there to sell you something. We've all been approached with that sales process. But more importantly, somebody who gets, gets your vision and holds you accountable to your vision. That's the biggest nugget I can see. So, you know, so many people I see are trying to do it by themselves, cavalier in nature, and that's okay. But you're never going to reach the ultimate, the ultimate sale. You're never going to reach the point to where you ultimately can achieve without somebody in your corner, kicking, pushing, prodding, screaming, whatever it takes to get you to that point. That's awesome. It's such great advice. And obviously, as a coach now for over 10 years, I subscribe to that because it was coaches and mentors that, that finally lifted me up off the average pile and, and helped me do well. Justin, what a fantastic, I would so love to have you back. Maybe I'll reach out in, in um, you know, four, four or five months and see if we can complete our conversation. Because I think we just scratched the surface. Sure. I look forward to it. Well, what, how can people, um, so you got your book, The Ultimate Sale, and, and give a couple of websites and whatever else you'd like to share right now, how people sure. can get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. The book's on Amazon. We actually just finished the recording. It'll be on Audible very soon. Um, in addition to the book, I would direct people to thefinanciallysimple.com. On that hub, we have a podcast that we do. It's usually me teaching. There's probably 120 hours of me breaking down complex business strategies for business owners, how to grow value, how to exit, how to deal with personal finances, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's YouTube channels, but I think the center of that hub is financiallysimple.com. That's where I, that's where I direct people to. And I checked out. It's a very good website. Love the URL, by the way. I mean, that, that's a killer. It's, I'm sure when you went to uh, GoDaddy, wherever you go, you go, oh, did I spell that right? Because that is killer. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just got one myself, six-figure business plan. I, wait, did sweet. I spell that right? Because that's too sweet, right? So sweet. That's awesome. What a pleasure connecting with you. Thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks, brother. Look forward to chatting in the future. Absolutely. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Justin Goodbread. Remember, get a copy of his book, The Ultimate Sale. A Financially Simple Guide to Selling a Business for Maximum Profit. Connect with him at financiallysimple.com. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com or my free Facebook group, Build Your Dream Business Now. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.